encourage you to take your Bible. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 9. We're in part 3 of a four-part series called The Gift. And as we approach Christmas, what we've been doing is focusing on the gift, not just the gift of his life and the fact that he died for us, but the gift that Christ offers through the Nativity experience. And over the last two weeks, we've dealt with two gifts. One, it was the gift of promise and how through Christ, he promises to bring us salvation. He promises to bring us new life. And when we think about the nativity, when we think about all that happened in Bethlehem so many thousands of years ago, we need to be mindful of this one truth that God promised that a long time ago. And the fulfillment and the culmination of that was in Jesus. And that is a great, solid reality we need to rest on, foundationally speaking. We also dealt with last week the gift of rest. Now, all of us in this room have dealt with holiday stress. Agreed? And we've got food to cook. We've got gifts to buy. We've got outfits to pick out. We've got all types of things to deal with. But the thing that, that God offers through the Christ child, through the cross, is rest. And we dealt with that from the perspective of we have eternal rest in Jesus when we ask Christ to come into our life, but we can experience rest today. And so we dealt with that truth last week. Now this morning we're switching gears and we're going to deal with something that I feel like is very profound. And when we look at all sources of religion, when we look at all sources of philosophy, this is something that is exclusively Christian. We can go to other places and say we give you rest. I mean, you can go to a spa and experience some rest, right? You can go do your thing that you enjoy to do, sitting in the deer stand and experience rest. You can go and experience promise. We make promises all the time, whether it be a wedding vow, whether it be the promise that I'm going to buy you this for Christmas. But nothing, as far as truth goes or the search thereof, will give you what Christ gives you in this gift that we're going to deal with this morning in the gift that we begin to proclaim. Now, one of my favorite Christmas movies, or really I would just say cartoon movies, it just always comes out at Christmas, is the cartoon movie Frozen. Have any of you guys ever seen Frozen? Just kind of show me your hand a little bit. How many of you guys have not seen Frozen? Now I'm going to spoil that for you, and then I'm going to spoil Star Wars, all right? Now here's the, I'm kidding, I'm not going to do that, but can y'all believe that C-3PO is Ray's dad? It's crazy. Now with that being said, some of you Star Wars geeks totally got that. Now with that being said, one of the things about Frozen, I watched this movie a couple times, probably about 80,000 times with my daughter, it feels like, and I, it's a cute little movie, but um, one of the things when I watch, have to watch this movie, I always leave watching that movie thinking I need to go build a snowman, because you've heard that song, right? Do you want to build a, y'all got to do better than that, all right, 930 totally whipped y'all. Do you want to build a, thank you. And so the whole, I mean, it's like Elsa and Anna, the two princesses, and one of them has supernatural powers. It makes everything frozen. The other one just wants to have a relationship with her sister, but the one with supernatural powers can never be around her other people and her other sister because she may freeze them. You follow me on this? So we've just figured this whole thing out. No need to watch it now. But the whole time she's singing, do you want to build a thank you, there's a door. There's no relationship. Now, some of you had arguments with your spouse like that. Honey, I'm sorry. Honey, I'm sorry. And there's a door there, right? Anytime, now I want you to hear me on this and write this down. Anytime there is an obstacle between you or someone or between you and God, we miss God's plan for that relationship. But more specifically, when there's an obstacle between us and the divine, that creates a lot of uncertainty. That creates a lot of dissonance. 
that creates a lot of anxiety and a lot of wondering what's going on. But here's what Jesus, as he approached earth, as he came to earth, as he died on the cross, exclusively gives us, and that's the gift of relationship. More than anything else, any other duty, you go to Hinduism, you go to Buddhism, you go to Islam, you even go to Judaism to some degree, nothing offers you a relationship with the divine like Jesus. Nothing gives you access to the Creator. Now, we got to think how this, this blows my mind when I think about it, how a king, how God allowed himself to be born by two very, very socioeconomic, downtrodden people, Mary and Joseph, to be born in a place like Bethlehem, who was third world at best, even during that ancient time. And then not only that, was born in a stable, and his audience were wise men who were pagans, shepherds who were the scum of the earth, and horses and donkeys and camels and sheep. And his bed was a feed trough. And the gift that he gives, hear me on this, follow me on this, this is big, is relationship. He can connect to the wisest, to the not so wise. He can connect to the most powerful, to the poorest. He can connect to anyone. Why? Because the gift of relationship transcends any obstacle that humanity or just divine justice throws in its way. And this morning, what we want to do is we investigate and remember and think through and deal with the nativity. As we deal with Christmas, as we wrestle through the different aspects and avenues that we're all going to have to struggle through in the next week, I want you to understand something. The gift of relationship can profoundly change your life. Christmas is a time where there's peace on earth, right? At least we think so. It's joy to the world. It's so come all you faithful. It's casseroles and wrapping paper. It's friends, it's family, it's laughter, and it's long trips south or north, right? But what we need to be mindful of as well, for many people, Christmas is one of the most dreaded times of the year. Whether it's a missing place at the dinner table, or whether it's memories of Christmas past that, we're not, that aren't very pleasant, whether it's a position of loneliness, wondering if anybody's going to knock on the door. Even in this crowd this morning, there's loneliness. One of my mentors used to say, the loneliest place is a crowd sometimes. And I think we all can agree on that. But what's so profound about this relationship is whether you're in the middle of the largest congregation on the face of the planet or stuck on a desert island, the relationship is still there. Because it's a relationship not built out of human hands, but it's a relationship that resides in the heart. If we know Christ. I want you to notice something in Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to skim this entire chapter this morning. But I want you to hear what's happening here. Because if you are a person that this letter was intended to be written to, it was a person who was formerly Jewish, and they're dealing with a persecution that's unique to their circumstance. One, because they're Christian, the Roman government's trying to kill them. And two, because they were formerly Jewish, their family has ostracized them. And what would be most comfortable for them in this context would be to go back to what they're used to. And for many of us, when we go through a difficult experience, y'all tell me if I'm right here, it's, it's easier to go back to where we're comfortable, right? Being comfortable doesn't mean it's right. Agreed? Now, let's notice what happens here. Because I want you to see the obstacles for a Jewish person that they once had before Christ. Go to verse nine or chapter 9, verse 1. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship 
and also an earthly sanctuary. Now, we're going to leave that verse on the screen here because I want to explain a couple things. The first covenant is mentioned way back in the Old Testament. It's the promise that God had between him and his Jewish people. And the promise was this. If you do this, if you do this, you go to heaven. If you continue to follow my ways, you go to heaven. If you make the appropriate sacrifices and worship in the appropriate way, and you keep up with the top ten commandments, right? You go to heaven. Now, that's summarizing it in a way. But these were God's promised people, and God's promised people were required to do these certain things. Now, the problem is, and you and I deal with the same struggle, is that all of these requirements can never be met, right? We talked about it last week. You got the top ten list. Uh, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's property. But every one of them, I, did, I, just, did, I just went all King James on y'all. My bad. I don't know the NIV translation. That's growing up in a Baptist rural church. All right, here's the deal. All that being said and done, all, you and I both have been jealous of what somebody else has had before, right? So what does that mean? You fail. <laughs> we don't measure up. Now, understand what's happening here. Let's look at verse 1 one more time. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. Now, the tabernacle or the earthly sanctuary was something that the Jewish people worshipped in or worshipped at, and you'll understand what I mean by that in just a moment, before there was a temple. In the Old Testament, King Solomon built a temple, but the Jewish culture had been around for hundreds of years by then. And so they needed a place to worship. So before they built the temple, they had the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was a huge wasn't a building, but it was a white tent, and it housed what they call the Holy of Holies or the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, many of you have seen Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? You can laugh at that. The Ark of the Covenant was a gold box, is the best way I can explain it in a moment, that housed the Ten Commandments, and that represented God's presence. It also represented the place, and there was a bowl or a bema on top of that Ark of the Covenant where they sprinkled blood, and that represented the place where they came and offered up the sacrifice for the entire nation of Israel to be forgiven. They did that once a year. You follow me so far on that? It's a lot of complication. doesn't make sense that this is connected to Christmas, but follow my train of thought here for a moment. Now, this huge white tent, it was typically the center of the camp. And what I mean by that is the Jewish people wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Y'all remember the story, right? For 40 years, they fled Egypt, and they wandered to the promised land in Israel. And they set up this tabernacle, they set up this tent, and all the tribes, there was 12 of them, surrounded this tent, and they camped per tribe around the tent. Everything focused on the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, being white, stood out like a beacon of hope there in the middle of the desert. And all the tribes would come to it to worship. Now, here's the problem. You and I would just be average, ordinary Joes. We would be average, ordinary Jews, too, in that day and age. And we could never enter into the tent. We could go to the front part. We could offer our sacrifice for our sins. But we couldn't go in to experience God. We were God's people, but there was always an obstacle. There was always an obstruction. You follow me on this? Now, if you are a priest and you were called upon to serve, you had the wonderful privilege of going into the first section of the tent. And in that tent, there was an altar. There was a, there was a bowl that uh, was filled with incense that you had to keep burning, and that offered up prayers to the presence of God. There were candles that were lit that represented such important things that we don't have time to go into. But your job for that week was to keep everything moving and get the sacrifices from people on a daily basis. You follow me so far? 
But once a year, the high priest went into the second section. And this was what's called the Holy of Holies. There was a curtain that separated it. No one could go in there because that is where the presence of God resided. And if you walked in there and you had sin in your life in the moment, you would die. And so the great high priest, this is fascinating to me, would seven days leave his family. He would be by himself. He would clean himself physically and spiritually. He would put on specific white robes. And we walk into the tent, and he would offer a sacrifice. Now, the sacrifice was very interesting because on that day, they would bring two goats and a baby calf or a bull. They would slaughter the bull and one of the goats. They would take the blood together. The high priest would take that blood. He would sprinkle it on the altar of the Holy of Holies, and that would be a sacrifice for the sins of all the people for things that they didn't know they'd done. Make sense so far? He would then come out. There would be the live goat. He would put his hands on that live goat. And then he would say, on this goat, I place all of our sins. And then they would chase that goat out of the camp into the desert. That's where we get the term scapegoat. You follow me so far? Now, here's, here's what's important about all of this as we deal with this. And by the way, Merry Christmas. <laughs> There's all, there was an obstacle for the, even the people of God. That even if you were the great high priest, you only went in there for a few moments to experience God's presence. But what's so profound about the nativity, what's so profound about Jesus is that this gift he gives you means you get to experience Christ without a preacher, without a high priest, without a holy of holies, without anything. You get a relationship. You get to experience God's presence without fear of death, without fear of condemnation, without fear of anything. You follow me so far? And so when we look at this manger, you've got to understand that this gift, first and foremost, represents that Christ appeared in order to die so that you and I could have a relationship with him. His appearance means death, but his appearance for you means life. You follow me on this? And the extension of the gift that we talk about this Christmas is simply this. You get to have God, man, in your heart. There are no more obstacles, not your sin, not your upbringing, not your issues, not your struggles, not your anxieties, not your loneliness, not your fear, not your problems, not your burdens, nothing. It's God. Isn't that good? Nothing else, man. The relationship that God gives you, the relationship that he offers extends beyond any other idea or thought of truth other than Jesus that we could ever conjure up. In fact, when we look at this even closely, and like I said, we're going to skim over this, go to verse 15, for this reason, I'm sorry, go to verse 12, he did not enter, meaning the holy of holies, meaning the place where he offers a sacrifice, by means of, um, I'm going to start over, I'm tongue-tied, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats or calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all. By his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Meaning, you're accepted once you come to know Christ. You have a relationship with God once you come to know Christ. And that is for eternity. It's forever. This is big for us, guys. This is huge for us. You get to have a relationship with the God that spoke heaven and earth into place. You get to have a relationship. I mean, and I'm not just talking about, hey, how you doing, God? Because most of us, hey, we're like this. Let's just be real. It's just me and you talking, right? We're like this with God. Um, 
God, you're over there. I'm over here. How's it doing? I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to get me out of this ticket. I'm going to ask God to get me through the Walmart line. I'm going to ask God for peace on earth. Amen. All that stuff. But the reality is God is here. He's here. He is in you if you know Jesus. That's profound. You get a spark of the divine in your life, but you get a spark of the divine and the divine for life. This is big. Years ago, I had the opportunity. When I mean years ago, I mean I was in college, so many, many moons ago. had the opportunity to work with a, uh, a person putting on concerts. And so I got to work backstage. I did heavy lifting. I just, I, I, all the cables and lighting and things like that. Had to bring them in. Don't know how to operate them, so don't ask me to work tech stuff. I mean, all that stuff. And uh, they said, hey, you guys are going to be working hard. You're going to need breaks. This is going to last all day, two days. And so we've got a green room set up for you. You guys go over here. We've got two liter drinks for you. We've got pretzels and we've got potato chips. Now, there's another green room. It's over here. This is where the personalities and celebrities are going to be. They're going to have sushi and things that they really enjoy to eat, and you can't go in there. But I got to go in here. But it was just kind of like always, like, I'm backstage. I get to see all this stuff, but my goodness, that looks good to eat, you know? There's access totally with Christ. Follow me on that? His appearance means death, but his death means life, and his life means relationship. Do you have a relationship with God? second thing you need to understand here as we deal with this text and as we understand this gift is that Christ continues to pray for you and I mean he prays for you now he ministers to you now go to verse 15 notice what happens here for this reason his death and resurrection Christ is the mediator of a new covenant meaning his new promise the old covenant was you do these things you get life the new covenant means you ask Christ to come into your life you get life I like that one better don't you now it's not based upon what I do, it's based upon what Christ does. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Meaning, you and I all break God's law, but you and, all, you and I all, when we know Christ, get to go to God's heaven. And the thing is, go back to that first part, for this reason, Christ is a mediator, he doesn't stop praying for you. He doesn't stop ministering to you. He doesn't leave you alone. He's continually there. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys have burdens in your life? I'm going to go one, two, three, and I want you to say I do because every one of us do. Y'all ready? One, two, three. I do. Every one of us. We've got issues. We've got things we're stressed about. Christmas is here. The stress level is at a different high for many of you. But here's what I want to encourage you on. This is what I want to, this, this is really the heartbeat of what I feel like God's wanting me to tell you this morning. Is that the burdens, not only is God not unfamiliar with them, God wants you to come, come to him with them. Now, that doesn't mean the burdens are going to go away immediately. But I want, let's, I want you to do an exercise, okay? Just make a deal, just me and you. I want you to get a piece of notebook paper or something like that. I want you to list everything currently, not right now, but if you want to, that's fine, that's stressing you out. Everything that's causing you to have a burden in your life right now. Now, some of you are like, Chip, I know you said a note, piece of notebook paper, I need a notebook, right? And list all these things. Okay, well, write them all out, and then I want you to pray. I want you to go list them one by one. Lord, I'm stressed out about this. I'm stressed out about that. I'm stressed. Now, look, he might not say, well, well, daughter, son, I'm going to take all those away from you right now. Probably not going to do that. But here's what he does do. 
there's an enormous amount of peace being able to share that in a relationship with the divine. Would you agree? doesn't mean the stress is going to go away. It just means that you don't have to carry it by yourself. You hear me on that? That's powerful. It's gospel to us. But it also is the promise that we talked about a few weeks ago in the gift of relationship that he is going to set everything right. That he's going to set everything right. He's going to make sure that his appearance the second time sets all this stuff straight. That's our third idea this morning. Because I want you to notice what happens here. Let's go to the very end of chapter 9. I want you to read this, starting in verse 27. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to what take away the sins of many. What does that mean? When you die, God is going to judge you. But here's the good thing. Christ died once to take away the sins of those who come to know him. That's what that means. Now read this. So Christ was sacrificed once in verse 28 to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time. That second appearance means that he is going to set things straight. He is the burden lifter and he is the eternal giver. Read what happens. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin because he's already done that, but to bring salvation. What's salvation? eternal peace to those who are waiting for it. Many of, you, many of us in this room are waiting for God to do something. We're waiting for God to deliver us. We're waiting for God to answer a prayer. We're waiting for God to do something. But the reality is, when you come to know Christ, while we wait, it's a holy expectation of knowing He is going to lift the burden. He is going to take care of it. Now, as it pertains to Christmas, as it pertains to this gift of relationship, this can't be done outside of a relationship. This can't be done outside of a a God that's far away. This is a God that is here, that is a God that is forever, that is a God that is protecting, a God that is faithful, a God that is, listen to me, sovereign in all this. And he is here saying, I extend my relationship to you. And I promise I'm going to set this straight. R.C. Sproul one of my spiritual heroes. He passed away this past week. Great theologian, spiritual giant. But one of my favorite quotes is this. We are secure not because we hold tightly to Jesus, but because he holds tightly to us. Isn't that good? I want you to understand something. When, when we lose our grip, and I want you to be, I want to be real with you guys, you will lose your grip sometimes. You can be assured because you have a relationship with Jesus He doesn't lose his grip on you. The question we have to ask ourselves is, does Christ have a grip on us? Have we asked him to come into our lives? Do we know what it means to be a follower of him? Because there's two specific applications I want to give you this morning, and really I want to face these in the the form of a question. My first question is this, what are your burdens? And have you brought them to Jesus? What are your burdens? Don't think bringing them to Jesus means they're just going to float away. Look, bring those burdens to him, you still may have cancer. You bring those burdens to him, you still got to go and sit next to the awkward guy at Christmas this year. You bring those burdens, but here's the deal. There is an amazing amount of peace that comes in when a sovereign king creator comes into your life and says, I got you. All right? What are your burdens? The second question I want to ask you is simply this. How is your relationship? Where is your relationship? Some of us in our relationships are like Anna and Elsa. 
Jesus is knocking on the door wanting to build a snowman. <laughs> but the reality is, the reality is, Christ calls us in Revelation chapter 3 to open up that door for you and I to have a relationship with him. Do you have a relationship with Christ? Specifically, have you asked Jesus to come into your life? Do you know Jesus? Have you been baptized? Have you taken those steps forward to grow in your faith? Here's what I'll ask you to do this morning. Some of you are here and you don't know Jesus. You've never had this gift of relationship. And what I want to ask you to do is on your connect card, or you can text the number, you can text the word respond on the screen to the number on the screen. On your connect card, check the box that says, Today I want to know Christ. Or maybe you need to make it public and say, Today I need to be baptized. And if that's you, either text the word respond or check off those boxes and we'll collect those connect cards in just a few moments. But take the next steps. And for those of you who do know Jesus, specifically this Christmas, I want you to do that activity. What are my burdens? I want to offer it to the related person I have a relationship with this, and that's Jesus. And then where is my relationship? How am I going to make my Christmas, my life, so Christocentric that it changes everything? Are you all with me on that? This morning, if you're here and you don't know Christ, make today, make the day today the first day of the rest of your life by knowing what it means to have salvation. Check the box or text the word respond. Let's pray together. Father, we want to honor you. Father, we want to love you. Father, we want to grow in you. And Jesus, I pray very specifically that in these moments that you would change us, that you'd overwhelm our hearts and minds, and that you would take us to a new level of understanding of what it means to follow you. Jesus, overwhelm us with your grace. Jesus, overwhelm us with your mercy. And give us the strength that we need to build into that relationship. Lord, you've given us relationship. Lord, you've given us life. And I pray, God, that in every way that we would focus our attention on that. Thank you, Jesus, for not being a God that stands off and far away, but for being a God that is in us and loves us and forgives us. In Christ's most perfect and precious and powerful name we pray. Amen.